Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Man, I'll tell you what, I... um. I'm a resolutions guy. I like making goals. Uh, how many of you guys are New Year's resolution people? Just throw a hand up real quick. Anybody? All right. The rest of y'all just gave up. I, I was reading a stat. I read a statistic this past week that 92%, 92% of New Year's resolutions fail. That means 8% actually make it. I was talking with Ashley, my wife, this past week. And I said, babe, what, what New Year's resolutions do you have? You know, I was getting ready. She was getting ready. We were both uh, there in the bathroom. And she was like, ah, oh, you know, the usual, like, you know, lose a little bit of weight and physically. And I was like, hey, babe, listen, keep that up. Because the, the day that either one of us just kind of go, hey, that doesn't matter anymore. That's the beginning of the end, y'all. Would you agree? So keep, <laughs> keep the resolution. Keep it a priority. Because the, 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 the day the year turns, and you're just kind of like, I don't matter anymore. That's a problem, okay? Uh, and, and I think for all of us today, as we, as we kind of come into this new year, maybe on Friday you made your resolutions. Maybe you're still thinking about what that looks like. Maybe for you it starts Monday. Uh, I know for me, Friday was a, a big night. We had a ball game that uh, my team lost. Um, Shannon Malloy's been waiting four years to say that, and he finally got it out. <laughs> so I, my, my, my diet plans don't really start till tomorrow, but... Um, I don't know, maybe for you, you have some physical like resolutions, some goals, you want to lose some weight, uh, maybe run a certain distance, uh, maybe there's some financial goals that you have, you want to save money, uh, the government gave you a little boost to get started, some of you already spent that stimulus, but uh, maybe it's relational goals, maybe for some of you, you're like, hey, I, want to, I really do want to have a healthier marriage, uh, I want to have a, a, a better relationship with my kids, maybe it's a friendship that you're wanting to make right. Uh, my hope is that spiritually speaking, there would be some, some spiritual goals that all of us would have as we go into the new year together, right? That we don't just get so focused on the outward appearance, like physically what we look like or financially what we have or relationally other people, but that we really do focus spiritually, like what is our relationship like with God and how are we walking in step with Jesus and how at the end of 2021, can we find ourselves closer to looking like Christ, closer to the person that God designed us to be. That's the hope. And this series that we're starting, this uh, Habits, as it's called, is really a focus on decisions and choices, the, the, the small choices that we make that have monumental impacts on our lives. There's, there's two books that I'm going to reference probably at times during the series. There's definitely um, a theme. Uh, you're going to hear me say some things and you may go, oh, I read that in that book or I, I've heard that before. Um, especially if you follow either one of these men on social media. But the first book that I um, would encourage you to actually read, I would encourage you to read both of these, actually. Um, neither one are like spiritual books, neither one. Um, I don't know if either one of the men are Christian men, uh, but the first book is called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And, and this book on habits or decisions really gives the science behind why we make decisions the way that we do, how habits are actually developed, um, biologically, why we become programmed to do certain things. The truth is every single one of us in the room listening online, we all have habits, we all have behaviors 
that didn't just happen overnight. They've been developed in time through different decisions, small decisions that we've made along the way. In all these areas, relationships, finances, spiritually, physically, um, Atomic Habits, great book. Second one is Extreme Ownership uh, by a guy named Jocko, Navy SEAL, um, New York Times bestseller. And, and this book is really more about the discipline and the commitment side of making decisions. The reason I reference both of these is this. Sometimes Christians can get so caught up in only reading spiritual books that I think we miss out on some of the principles of what discipline actually is from a worldly standpoint. And the base root of of discipleship, when you look at the word discipleship, the root word is discipline. And I found that the greatest disciples that I know, the greatest followers of, of Jesus that I know, have these disciplines in their life spiritually that have shaped them into the people that God designed them to be. You cannot be lazy and apathetic spiritually if you want to become more like Christ. Y'all agree with that? So I would encourage you, grab those books. You can listen to them on Audible if you're like, look, I don't know how to read or I forgot how to read. Um, Audio books are a blessing, right? Uh, And and so drop $15, get those books. Um, But I want to jump into this series called Habits. Now, Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 7 if you do have them with you. I realize that I gave a stat earlier that 92% of people have resolutions that fail. So right off the rip, when I talk about this series on habits, some of you are like, look, pastor, I've tried it and I've failed it. The same resolutions I had 10 years ago, I had nine years ago, I had eight years ago, it never works, right? Like the thing or the person that I want to be, that I want to become, I just can't seem to get there. I can't lose the weight. I can't save the money. I've, I've stopped reading through the Bible. I've tried. I've started in Genesis every single year. I get to Leviticus and bog down, right? And I understand that. I've been there too. The fact that, that so many of us are going, I don't even want to set resolutions because resolutions are going to fail. It takes me spiritually to a guy named Paul, and I want to read what he wrote in Romans chapter 7, because I really do feel like this this summarizes where a lot of people find themselves spiritually. Maybe you're here and you would say, "I, I made a decision a long time ago to give my life to Jesus. I made a decision a long time ago to get baptized. I wanted to start coming to church last year, and I faded away, or Man, I couldn't commit to a small group, and these are all things that I know that I should do, but I can't quite get them done. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. Let me read this for us. Paul says in in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Let me bring it modern context. I don't really want to keep keep clicking add to cart on Amazon, but I do it and I can't help myself or I don't really want to stop at Sonic and get the blast, but it's so good. And I pull through there and I get it. I don't want to supersize the meal, but they ask me every time and McDonald's fries are so good, right? Like, I don't know why I do these things, but I do them. I want to do what is right, Paul says, but I can't. I don't want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Does anybody feel that way? Like, especially coming off this last year, maybe, you find yourself uh, in a little bit of quarantine or isolation, and you're like, I ate everything. 
And this is not who I want to be. And we joke on the surface about physical things, but if we can go a layer deeper this morning, can we just talk emotions for a minute? Like maybe, man, I don't want to be so bitter, but I find myself there. Or I don't want to have hatred in my heart towards somebody, but I, I can't quite get rid of that. Or I don't want to be a negative person. I just tend to see everything glass half empty, right? Like, there's these things that we battle. I don't want to look at those things, but I find myself constantly falling into temptation. I don't want to pursue the wrong things in this world, but they just, they draw. You feel that tension? Paul's going, this is it. I know who I want to be, and I know God's designed me to be, but there's something at war within me. Who will free me? This is what he says in verse 24. Who will free me from this life? that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul says, look, I know who I wanna be. This is the resolve, resolution, root word resolve. I know who I wanna be, but I find myself not doing the things that get me to be the person that I wanna be. I wanna do what's right, but I end up doing what's wrong. I don't wanna do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. There's this, this war and he's going, how can I get through this only by the grace of God found in Jesus Christ? Now, let me give us two, I'm going to start, two, I think, specific reasons why we fail. Why resolutions fail, why people fall away from following Christ, why people will go through the baptismal waters, come out going, I'm new, I've been made new, the old is gone, the new has come, and then six months later, we're like, hey, you still in church? Or, or why you go, you know, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to start serving faithfully. But then you start ghosting people that like try to schedule you to volunteer. Or I'm going to give financially and you don't. Right. I'm going to be to church every this year is going to be different. I'm going to church every single week. And then you go, OK, Easter's coming. I'll come back on Easter. Uh, kind of fell away in February. Like my, my point is the reason I believe people fall away resolutions fail. I think there's two big principles, and if you're taking notes, this would be a good time to start writing. The first one is this. I believe we underestimate the impact of small decisions. We underestimate the impact of small decisions. You guys have all heard the phrase, hey, we, we overestimate what we can do in a day. We underestimate what we can do in 10 years. Y'all heard that before? Right? Like, we, we, overestimate, man, I can do all this this week, or I can do all, but we forget, man, if I'm, gonna, if I'm actually going to be successful 10 years from now, right, it's probably not going to be one big decision that gets me there. It's going to be a compounding effect of small decisions along the way. In the book, Extreme Habits, I'm sorry, Extreme Ownership, uh, Jocko, who was a Navy SEAL, he, he talks about the discipline, the daily disciplines of Navy SEALs, and he says everybody has disciplines and, and they start like this. The first decision you make every day is to get up, right? You got to get out of bed. So what do most of us do if we want to get out of bed? We set an alarm, right? If you don't know what an alarm is, we can talk about that later. But I, as a matter of fact, I, I was, and I'm not going to say his name. It's a guy on our staff. You might be able to figure it out. But I was looking at his phone one time. We were, we were on staff retreat and we... I set an alarm every single morning. I get up most mornings at like 5.30. And his alarm on his phone was like 6, 6.10, 6.20. 6. 
And I'm just, I'm looking at it going, so you're just planning to fail from the get-go. Like, why do you need seven alarms? If you're just right off the rip going, I ain't gonna make that one. I won't make that one. I won't make that one. They got a snooze button for that, you know? Jocko basically says, look, he was taught to set three alarms in the morning. It's actually the same alarm, but on three different devices. One's, one's digital, one's analog, and one's on like a wind-up clock. Now, that's extreme, okay? He's a Navy SEAL. But the point is, when the alarm goes off, get up. It's a, it's a daily discipline. Now, I know that's small. Maybe some of your parents are here and you taught your kids to make a bed, right? Or to fold your clothes, to brush your teeth. These, these daily disciplines... And and I think the importance of it is because small decisions in our lives actually do change our lives. It's the small decisions. For instance, we see people in all these categories and go, I want to be like that. For instance, y'all know who The Rock is? The Rock, the actor, he's like jacked. Like, man, I want to be like that. Guess what? He didn't get like that overnight. I'm not saying he didn't take some shots. It might have helped. All right, but he's working out. Every single day. He's eating the right things every single day. It's daily disciplines. I think about Warren Buffett, an incredibly wealthy man. He didn't get wealthy overnight. He's been investing for decades, right? This compounding effect of his finances. Uh, You think about the relationship or the marriage that you look up to. Maybe there's somebody you go, man, I want to be in love like that. You know, I'm not, don't look at him a month into marriage, all right? This would be a good, good example for everybody here. Don't compare your marriage to somebody coming off a honeymoon, all right? Find somebody 20 years married and you go, I want to be like that. Guess what? They didn't, they didn't end up healthy in that marriage overnight. It's daily decisions. It's observing date nights. It's sacrificially serving one another. It's having conversation, keeping communication open, choosing to forgive Right? That's, that's what it looks like. You, you find somebody spiritually that you look up to, that pastor or that group leader or that mentor, and you go, I want to have faith like that, or I want to know God's word like that. It didn't get there overnight. It was daily, small decisions. And what I want us to see is that as we think about habits in our lives, it's the small decisions over time that actually change your life. Right? It's the small decisions over time that change your life. It's waking up every single morning or before you go to bed at night and going, I'm going to read God's word. Well, I don't know where to start. Listen, open the book. Pick a book within a book. There's 66 of them. I would encourage you to start with one of the gospels. So the gospel of John. Read one chapter a day. Before you know it, you'll be done with that book. And these daily disciplines, small decisions, will add up over time. And before you know it, you've read an entire account of the life of Jesus. Now, if you were to go home today and go, you know what, I'm going to read all about Jesus, and you just started in John, and you started reading, 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 that's, that's going to get pretty taxing. But if you can make a small decision every single day, let me encourage you another one spiritually. Pray every day. Pray every day. You go, I don't know how to pray. You know how to talk. Prayer is just talking to God. Have a conversation with him. In the car, at night when you lay down, maybe over your cup of coffee in the morning, find a way. Make it a daily, small decision to pray, and guess what's going to happen? 365 days from now, at the end of the year, you're, you're going to be able to articulate your words a whole lot better to a God that you can't see, but that you can feel, and you're going to hear from him. 
You're going to hear from him. You'll, you'll realize it's a conversation. It's not just a monologue where you do all the talking. You begin to actually listening. And silence and prayer is actually a really good thing. Let me give another one. Make a decision to commit to church. Be here every week. You go, Pastor, you're asking for a lot. Now, this is the first Sunday of 2021, and I made it today. Let me encourage you. Go ahead and make the decision now that you'll be here next Sunday. Because if you wait till Saturday night, there's a good chance it won't happen. You've heard me say it. Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. So go ahead and make the decision now for Saturday night. Small decisions over time add up, and they actually shape your life. I think about the story of of Daniel. In the Old Testament, Daniel was a young man, most scholars believe 17 or 18 years old, when when the Israelites were overtaken by the Babylonians. um, The king said, bring all the young men to the the castle. Bring all the young men to me. Um, I I essentially am putting on a boot camp, and I want to see who the best of the best are. And so they went out and they gathered all these young men together. Daniel and a couple of his friends were a part of this large group. Now, Daniel was an Israelite. Daniel was a faithful Jewish man. And so the king said, "Um, I want you to feed them all the best of the wine, feed them the best of the buffet, take care of these guys. The problem was Daniel being a devout Jewish man, he had made a vow to God. And based on the scriptures, Daniel was not supposed to eat of the king's table. Wasn't supposed to drink of the king's wine. And so Daniel being resolved, Daniel chapter 1 tells us that Daniel was resolved not to defile himself. And so he made a request, hey, can I just have vegetables and water? I don't want to eat that stuff and I don't want to drink that stuff. He was resolved in his heart not to be somebody that God told him not to be. So he makes a request, right? By the way, you don't get to that kind of resolution overnight. He had a lifestyle of those decisions. Makes a request, says, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to partake in those activities. Can I be who God made me to be? And of course, the, the king or the chief of staff says, sure, let's see what happens. Let's test him. And the amazing thing is, after a period of testing, Daniel and his closest friends that stuck to that resolution proved to be more fit, proved to be more wise than any other men at the camp. And because of that, we see that he gets promoted to being over the entire province of Babylon. Here's here's my point in sharing that. You have a choice, every single one of us have a choice, if we're gonna be people of resolve that live lives that God called us to live, or if we're gonna be people that just kind of blend into the culture in which we live. And it's a daily choice. I want you to understand, coming here on a Sunday and making a big choice on a Sunday will not carry you throughout the week. It's a daily small decision every single day, and it has a compounding effect. At the same time, while small good choices will set you up for success, small bad choices will ruin you. Would you agree? Right? Like, you go, what's a small bad choice? Well, you choose to smoke one time. That's not going to kill you. I smoked a cigarette one time when I was in uh, fifth grade. Smoked a cigarette. Stole it from my grandma. That's the only cigarette I ever smoked. Now, if, if, if I smoked again and again and again, guess what? One small decision of smoking compounded over a long period of time, experts say that'll give you cancer. 
If, if you choose bad decisions again, if you choose to stay up and eat late every single night, let's say you do a bowl of cereal every night at 10 p.m. Any, any late night cereal people in the house? Am I the only one? Okay. Uh, you do a late night bowl of cereal every single night, guess what's going to happen? Come 2022, you're still going to be making a resolution to lose that weight, right? It's a negative compounding effect. Let me give you another example. If, if you choose relationally that you're going to spend time on your hobbies or fishing or golf or hunting or other things instead of investing into your marriage and your kids, the negative compounding effect over time is you're not going to have a relationship with them. Spiritually speaking, right? Negative compounding effect of small bad decisions. You go, well, I, just, I don't feel like going to church tomorrow. I'm going to stay home. You do that a couple times. Before you know it, it becomes a pattern Unfortunately, it's a pattern that I think many people developed during COVID. And before you know it, you're distanced from the church and distanced from the Lord altogether. Or you have a pattern of, you know what, I'm not, I don't really want to forgive somebody. I don't have to forgive somebody. I'll just, you know what, I find that relationship can end. I don't care. And before you know it, bitterness builds up and, and you end up being a lonely, isolated person. See, my point is that the small decisions of our lives are really nothing more than a setup to what kind of life we're going to have. And we would do well now to establish really good small decisions in our life. So I would encourage you when you go home today, think about it. Think about what daily decisions you have that set you up to be more uh, in line with the person that God called you to be. Are you reading the Bible every day? Are you praying every day? What are you putting into your ears? You listen to worship music, right? There's, There's basic small decisions you can make that will set you up. And, and I'll say this while I'm on it. People ask sometimes. Um, I get the chance to, to help coach church planters or other pastors. People will look in at Awaken and go, man, how, how did y'all do this? Or how did you get to this place? Or how did you get your building? Or um, how did you hire your staff? And they ask all these questions that aren't, aren't necessarily bad questions. But, but people look in, and there's a big difference between what people see versus what they don't see. Right? Like there's a big difference between um, what you see on Instagram of Awakened Church versus what you don't see in the real world of Awakened Church. Because everyone will see the, the stage and they'll see the lights and they'll see the building and they'll see the staff. But what's unseen is the, the daily prayers and the daily seeking the Lord and what to do and how to lead this church. The daily disciplines of casting vision in small conversations and not just on a Sunday. Right, like the daily disciplines of taking care of marriages and taking care of kids, and that's I want you to understand. We've got to do a better job individually and culturally of valuing the stuff that's not seen. It's called character. It's called integrity. And you rarely get applause for your integrity. You rarely get celebrated for your character. But it's the unseen stuff that shapes your life. And let me encourage you to focus more this year on the unseen, focus more on the character. Eventually, it'll end up driving behavior, but it's not going to get celebrated in the early days. No one ever rolls up to you and go, man, I've noticed you've become so much more humble lately, right? But they'll, they'll like the abs that show up on Instagram. No one's walking up to you going, man, I've noticed you just serve so much better. Man, you're sacrificing so much. Like that. No one's, no one's going to come up and say that to you necessarily. But in time, it'll drive your behavior. There's a, um, in Spartanburg, where I used to live, in our backyard, I cleared it. I cleared our yard. We had, um, I just wanted to start cutting stuff down. I didn't have, uh, I had one kid, Braley, and I was like, we need a bigger yard. 
there was a part of our yard that had bamboo. Anybody got bamboo on their property? There was like this bamboo back by the train tracks. That stuff wouldn't die. It just, it wouldn't go away. I was like, I'm gonna have to pave this area. And, and one of the interesting things about bamboo is this. Like one, the sprouts are incredibly strong. They were incredibly high. But the truth is, do a little research. A bamboo plant, if you were to grab it right now, get some bamboo stalks and plant them in your yard. Five years. Like if you, if you dug it up, put it in the ground, for five years, you gotta water it, take care of it, make sure that soil is enriched with nutrients, but you won't see anything pop out of that ground for five years. But after five years, that sprout will grow 90 feet in five weeks, right? All this investment, all this time, all this energy, all this hope, and you can't see it, but then boom, out of nowhere, you start to see all these results. And when I study scripture, I see time and time again, people like that, that, that focused on who God was, that focused on his word, that kept his commandments. I look at the disciples that for three years were pretty much unknown people, right? They were just renegade that followed Jesus around. But then when Jesus rose from the dead, in a matter of weeks, the early church just took off, right? And you go, how did this happen? It didn't happen overnight. There were three years of investment with these men and women, listening to Jesus' teaching, believing in the Holy Spirit. And then God decided, boom, I'm about to launch this thing. Can I just encourage you as we go into 2021, as we start this year, as you set your resolutions, as you think about your habits, don't neglect the stuff that's done in the dark. Don't neglect the things that people don't see. That's the stuff that sets you up for success. And those are the small decisions that you make every single day. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Let us not grow weary in doing good. At the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we don't give up. Now, why else do people give up and why do they fail? Here's the second reason. And I think this one is plaguing our country and it's plaguing many in the church. Number two, success gets sabotaged because of identity crisis. Identity crisis. I had a coach in high school. Steve Wilson is his name. Coach Wilson's still alive. Uh, I think he's still coaching. I don't know what school. But I remember going to, to weightlifting in middle school. I'd never really been in a weight room. Uh, never, you know, I was, I was nervous as all get out. I was like seventh grade. And I'm like, look, I'm going to get swole. And I walked in and I see these seniors and I'm scared, right? I want to go home. But I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to be like them. And there was this guy, Coach Wilson, that was the weightlifting coach. And he was so intimidating. He'd walk around just yelling at everybody. Great guy, though. Let me say this. Great guy, in case he's listening or ever hears this clip. Incredible man, right? Helped me develop. But, but one of the things he would always say, right? He'd be like, you are what you eat. And so, you know, like when it came to max outs, which max outs is like, that's the day where you try to lift as much as you can. I've got this memory ingrained in my mind where, where I'm doing squats and I'm trying to max out on squats. And here I am, I think like eighth grade, like I wasn't very old at the time and I'm in the rack and I didn't get my max weight. We had these goals. Okay, we want you squatting 225, you know, whatever it was, eighth grade. Like, okay, you know, go down, don't go down all the way. It's like, no good. And he would always say this, you're candy. Now keep in mind, he would tell you, you are what you eat. And I have this memory of, Coach Steve, Steve Wilson going, you ain't nothing but candy. 
you're candy. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm, you know, I'm like squatting out, get it. I'm trying my best. But I end up like thinking, yeah, I have eaten Snickers. Like maybe I am just can't, you know, I'm candy, right? And y'all, it's crazy. And here I am years later and that thought still comes to mind. I'll be working out at the zoo health club, right? Trying to get my eight reps on bench. I don't get it. And I'm like, candy, you know, (laughs) crazy. The power of words, right? You are what you eat. And, and, and a part of that's true, right? Part, Part of that is obviously like your physical makeup is what you consume in a lot of ways. But I I think that identity crisis piece, it comes in, spiritually speaking, it affects all of us because we start to believe we are what we do. And when we're doing really good for God, we're like, hey, God loves me. But when we fail, God hates me. And we start to resist and pull away. I look at people who have pulled out of church at times, and maybe I'm speaking to you today. Stop going, avoided church, avoided group. I'm not going to text Tevin back. I like Carly, but oh, I know what I've done, right? And, and, and there's this avoidance. Why? Because we start to identify as our failures. Failing isn't just something we did. We believe it's who we are. I think about David, King David. My goodness. The Bible says that David was a man after God's heart. If David lived today, you know what we would call David? You a cheater and you're a murderer. Had an affair on his wife and plotted to kill his mistress's husband. But yet the Bible says he's a man after God's heart. Somehow David had to let go of the identity that could so easily be attached to his failure. I think about Peter. Peter who denied Jesus in the... In his most desperate hour, Peter denied Jesus three times, yet he was also the the rock that led the early church in the book of Acts. Somehow had a separation between who he was and who God called him to be versus what he actually did, or Moses. Moses, who who had killed a man, and then gets called by God to go and lead all the people out of captivity. You go, well, how? How did God use people that were so flawed? You know, that's the only people God uses is flawed people. If you're in the room going, hey, I ain't got nothing. You got a lot. But God does not look at us and identify us by how we've let him down or by our failures. God loves us and identifies us based on what he's done in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's why when when Moses, Moses goes, okay, you want me to go talk to the Pharaoh and demand the release of all the Israelites? God says, yes. Moses says, well, who do I tell them sent me? God says, you tell them I am sent you. Okay. And while that may sound weird for us, y'all, I am is an authoritative statement. Like you look at Jesus, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the Messiah. These I am statements. When you know who you are, it will help you become who you need to be. See, Moses goes to the Pharaoh and says, I am sent me. He's saying, God sent me. I've been chosen by God to come and carry out this task. Let me ask you, who are you? Are you clinging to I am statements? Or are you letting all your failures and your mishaps, lack of success become who you are? Let me give you an example. You could be in the room today or listening online. 
And the world has told you you're an addict. You're addicted to porn. You're addicted to opioids. Can I just tell you, you may have an addiction, but you're not an addict. Because the moment you say you're an addict, it becomes your identity. Track with me a little bit here. I've never been to AA. I've never had to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. But when I talk to people who have been to AA, and maybe you've been through it, maybe you're in it right now, say, hello, my name is Brandon Bowers, and I'm an alcoholic. I don't think it's wise to embrace a statement that says, I am something I did. Because if we all stood on this stage today and said, my name is Brandon Bowers, and I am a, and we listed out the things that we have done, what God's word tells us is that Jesus took every single one of those things and nailed them to a cross. And that, amen. And I am, right? We start living in the I am, not the I was, but I am, I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am restored. I am called. I am chosen. This is who God says that we are, right? And we have to live in that identity because if you stay over here in what you were, I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm cheater. Uh, I'm worried. Uh, I'm in debt. I'm lazy. I'm not driven. I failed. Whatever it might be, all these labels, right? The enemy, if he can attach that label to you, you will be useless to God. But if you listen to what God says about you, right, that all that stuff has been buried and he's given you a new name and a new identity, right? And and, and anyone in Christ, the old is gone. The new has come. I believe that. I believe that. And maybe today the, the, the good news that you need to hear is that God's given you a new identity and a new name. And he's given you a new purpose. And you don't have to live in what was anymore. Right? Identity crisis will sabotage success. Paul says this. By the way, when I read Paul's letters, it's important for us to remember Paul was a great apostle, a great missionary. And Paul was living in a culture where he was trying to deliver people out of a system of religion, of works, of laws, and commands. He was trying to go, it's no longer about religion, it's about relationship. And... And he was existing in a culture that opposes anything about Jesus. Paul says this to the people, because again, they were struggling, they were failing, they were letting God down. They, were, they had all these ideas about you know, how they weren't good enough. Paul says this in Romans chapter 6. He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now you're free from slavery to sin and you've become slaves to righteous living. Paul says, look, you are no longer what you were. Let me explain who you are. Who you are. See, the two reasons people fail, two main reasons. Number one, we underestimate the impact of small decisions. Number two, we sabotage success, spiritual success because of identity crisis. And here's the perspective or the principle I want you to take out of here today when you leave. Our identity always shapes our actions. Our identity, who we know we are and who we believe we are, always shapes our actions. 
in, in 2013, I got about five more minutes and y'all are playing something really spiritual. And I'm about to tell a funny story. This is going to come off a little weird. 2013, when we moved here to, to, to start the church, I, my brother at the time uh, wasn't real connected to church and he was fighting MMA. And my brother leads worship, you know, some Sundays up here now, praise God. He was one of the first baptisms in Awakened Church. But in 2013, he was fighting MMA, and and he had this uh, big event, fight night at the point, over at Patriots Point. And so here I am, I'm like, I got to go support my brother. Now keep in mind, I was working a full-time job and telling everybody I could see, hey, we got this church starting, and come to my small group, and I want to tell you about Jesus, and here I am at the MMA fight night. And my brother's inside the ring, you know, and and he's taking some shots, and he's giving some shots, and it it was a lot of emotion in that moment, a couple hundred people in the room. And I found myself about round two of that fight, and I'm just yelling, kill him! Kill him, Mike! You know, I'm in it. I'm all up in it. Now, keep in mind, I'm a pastor planting a church in this city. (laughs) And I'm literally telling my brother to kill a man. (laughs) Now, granted, that was literal. Uh, I, I I was not being serious. But... But the actions at the time didn't really reflect who I wanted to be. You follow me? Now, our identity always shapes our actions. Who who we know we are and who we want or who we believe God wants us to be will, will shape these decisions and these choices that I'm talking about. And I think we would do well to ask the question, man, who who do I want to be? Who do I want to be known as? Like this year, not so much, hey, what do I want to accomplish? What do I want? What goal, what weight do I want to hit on the scale? Or what financial goal do I want to reach? Or what professional goal do I want to establish? Or what, not, not, we would do well, I think, to move away from some of that and go, who do I want to be? Who do I want people to say that I am? When it's all said and done, who is Brandon Bowers? Who is, insert your name. Like for me, when I think about, man, what will they say? about Brandon. I want people to say, it. that's a man that loved Jesus. That's a man that loved Jesus and wasn't perfect, but tried hard to be like him. It said, man, that, that's a man that loved Ashley. Loved that girl. Tried his best to be a good husband. He's a man who admired and respected and was devoted to his kids. Tried his best to be a great I want people to say that was a leader who believed in people and called them to everything God created him to be. I want people to say he was a man who was faithful to the church, who believed the local church was the hope of the world. I want him to say he's a guy who, who worked hard but played hard, who was committed to the mission but would also throw a party afterwards. A guy who doesn't take life too seriously. But, but also recognizes life is serious, right? Like the, the, you go, well, if that's who you want to be, listen, every decision in my life has to build to becoming that person, right? I, it does no good to say this is who I desire to be if all these decisions in my life don't set me up to become that person. So let me ask you as we embark on 2021 and we think about habits, we think about decisions and choices, who do you want to be? 
And maybe today the biggest question you got to answer is who am I now? Because can I just tell you everything I just described stems from my identity in Christ Jesus? For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And maybe today you're wrestling with this identity piece going, I don't really know who I am. But trying to chase all these things the world says is important clearly isn't working. And maybe today you need to put your identity in Jesus Christ and give him your life, give him your heart, give him your devotions. And let today be a day you go, you know what? I'm going to make it a habit of falling more in love with Jesus this year. And I'm going to become like Christ. Would you bow your heads right now all across the room, those of you watching online? I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's really a prayer of devoting yourself to the Lord. It's a prayer of resolve, going, I'm going to leave my old life behind and begin a new life with Jesus today. Would you join me in praying? If that's you today, say, dear God, I know I've sinned and I know I've fallen short of your glory. But today, I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day. And today, I'm placing my identity in Jesus. I give him my life. I give him my heart. So make me new today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Listen, there's people that prayed that prayer for the first time today. Now I want to lead believers in a prayer right now. Those of you who would say, you know what, I already have a relationship with Jesus. I'm in church. I'm ready. Let me lead you in a prayer right now. And I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. Say, dear God, we know you and we love you. Today, I pray you would help me develop healthy habits to become more like Jesus. Help me to place my identity in you, not in what I've done, good or bad. Thank you for loving me unconditionally. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.